0: Hey everybody, my name is Chris Olympia from DramaticMed.com and I used to live in the Japanese Buddhist Monastery. This is Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs.
1: Yo, my friend, Aaron here and you have landed on episode number 21 of Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. There's no doubt that podcasting has changed my life and I can help it change yours too. Just head over to dramaticpodcasting.com, read my story, enroll in my free podcasting mini course that will help you get your journey started the right way. Unleash the power of your voice, take action, and head over to dramaticpodcasting.com. Notes for this episode are available at DramaticTravels.com slash E21. Today on Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs, we are joined by Chris Oldfield. Chris is the community manager for nomadicmat.com, one of the largest travel blogs on the web. Chris has over 10 years of budget travel experience under his belt, and Chris is an expert at finding deals and pinching pennies. He is also the author of the best-selling book The Dogs of Nam, Stories from the Road and Lessons Learned Abroad. Chris joins us today from Gothenburg, Sweden, and you can find Chris on his blog at lessonslearnedabroad.com. Chris, my friend, welcome to Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs.
0: Thank you so much for having me. That was a sol- solid intro. Covered covered all the important parts and make me seem way more interesting and cool than I am. That is my job, Chris. That is my job. Selling it.
1: Before we start talking business here, let's just get just get personal just for a second. Just tell me about the role that travel has played in your life.
0: Yeah. So, so I was never a big traveler growing up. Uh, I went to. I'm from Canada, uh, so I went to Disney World when I was ten. That was like my first big trip. Uh, But beyond that, it was like some weekend camping trips. You know, that was, and those were like maybe an hour away never any huge family road trips or anything like that. Um, So I didn't really start traveling until uh, my first trip in university. Uh, And I went to Costa Rica, loved it, had a great time. And uh, it wasn't long before I dropped out of university and uh, (laughs) traveled a lot more. And uh,
1: it's debatable, but I would guess that your education significantly improved after you left university and hit the
0: road. It, it did it very much did I mean I loved university I ended up like going back to finish my degree uh, I had a you know really good time had some great friends great teachers there but um, yeah I, I I think like travel you know it's just you learn a lot more and a lot sort of more varied things that you're not going to learn in school. I mean, that's it's obvious, but um, yeah. So for me, it was just sort of like a, a gateway to new perspectives and and new a new way of of looking at what I want to do with my life.
1: Love it, love it, man. Uh, travel, huge part of my life as well. Definitely believe in that transformational power that travel has. But you, Chris. You did something special. This is dramatic travels entrepreneurs. We're talking business. You took your love of travel to the next level. So I want to get into your story about how you went from university dropout to 10 years of backpacking experience and now a full-time traveler. And let's just start um with your area of expertise. How would you describe your area of expertise
0: when it comes to travel? Yeah, so I'm I'm like a backpacker at heart. You know, I'm in my early 30s now, so I thought I'd maybe grow out of it and like bite the bullet and start getting you know fancy Airbnbs and hotel rooms, but I just I really love the sort of the voluntary hardship involved in backpacking, right? Like, you know, I I, I have money, so it's not like I'm like living on the street or anything like that. But I like the the challenge of making things. Interesting and difficult. So, you know, you're not just flying everywhere. You're trying to either hitch a ride or figure out the buses in a different language. You know, you're not planning everything all out in advance. You're letting things sort of come to you and figuring it as you go. And I just, I really enjoy that sort of style of travel, in part because in my daily life, I love routine and regimen and having everything organized. So travel just lets me throw all that out the window and just sort of like, you know, test my wits against the world, which I think is 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 refreshing, especially like in I think for the most part, for those of us who are, you know, have the privilege of traveling. Um, you know, life is, is pretty smooth, all things considered. We have food, we have shelter. There's no real huge struggles in our day to day life, if you know, knock wood. Um, and so travel gives me a chance at least to like manufacture some challenge and really sort of test myself. In, in a sort of a relatively safe and controlled environment.
1: Yeah, voluntary hardship. I love that. I love that expression. That really sums it up well. I was speaking to a woman yesterday who runs a tour company in Croatia, and she said she described the, the, the greatest or the latest and greatest luxury in travel is those experiences that money can't buy, like you described you have the money to stay at, say, an intercontinental hotel where everything's just the way you would expect it to be at home. But those aren't the experiences you come home telling stories about. Those aren't the memories that are going to last a lifetime and really become part of who you are. So I I really love the way you described that because that's a cool perspective from someone who has the opportunity to travel in a more of a upscale way, for lack of a better expression, but chooses to take on that voluntary hardship. I love it. So you've you must, you're, you're clearly, you're earning money on the road and you have that expertise that comes from the backpacking and those experiences. So when and why did you decide to turn that expertise into a business?
0: Yeah. So, so back in 2013 ish, um, I was living in Canada and I, uh, was a co-owner of a restaurant there. Um, And so I was sort of like wrapping up my time there because my partner, she's Swedish and uh, her visa was expiring. So we were going to move to Sweden, but it's a whole bureaucratic, you know, nightmare trying to move from one country to another. So our plan was just to travel until my visa was processed, which was going to be 11 months. So like that was a great chunk of time to travel. Uh, We saved up all our money. I handed off the business to some friends and... um, started up a blog and I was going to do the whole, you know, start a blog travel thing. Quickly realized that it's way more fun to not start a blog and travel and just to travel. Uh, So I kind of put that on the back burner. Uh, But I was sort of getting involved in online travel communities, uh, specifically Nomadic Matt's online forum. Because I was on the road, I could sort of update people with information that was relevant and, you know, new you know, because guidebooks and stuff don't get updated for years, you know, even blogs don't get updated every year. So I was on the forums talking to people and getting tips and giving advice and stuff and and was really enjoying it. And um, after maybe six months or so, uh, I became the forum manager for Matt, which is sort of like a super part time position, like, Ten hours a month, twenty hours a month. Oh, Chris, let me
1: stop you right there. Can you just tell me a little bit about that progression? Because going from forum participant to to forum manager—that's a big deal. And can you just describe how that happened?
0: Yeah. So, so I mean, I have no like online skills or anything like that. I was just some some guy who was, you know, on on the forums. You know, I made an account. I was contributing information. And, you know, I'm like a bit of a nerdy guy, so I'm on my computer a lot. And so it just gave me a chance to, you know, talk to people from all around the world in this community and so build up some friendships. And because I was there so often when Matt was looking to hand off some of the responsibilities, uh, I was like, well, I'm already here. Like, I'm already, you know, hanging out here every day. You, might, you know, if you're going to pay somebody, it might as well be me. Um, and so I had a quick little interview on Skype. And uh yeah, started off working working for him super part-time. I think it was like it was like a couple hundred bucks a month and I was like, "Great, that's like that's travel money right there. That can keep me going in Southeast Asia for for a while." Um so, yeah, I just sort of I just sort of stumbled into it. There was no master plan or anything like that. Um it was just sort of a compromise because I didn't want to be spending all my time blogging, but I still liked being involved in that community and talking to bloggers and other travelers and stuff, so yeah, that's how I kind of like weaseled my way in uh, at the beginning. Weaseled.
1: I, I wouldn't describe you as a weasel, but if you want to describe yourself as a weasel, then
0: I will allow it,
1: Chris. So you—you you, you started making a little bit of money there, like you said. Though that's not—that's not it's not life changing money. So t- take us uh, beyond that point, and you've now you've realized that there is some money to be made to to continue this lifestyle so what was the next step for you
0: yeah so so when i kept traveling and eventually came to sweden and was sort of not settling down but you know building a base here to hop around europe and uh the more i worked started working for matt uh, the more sort of responsibilities i was getting when there were little odd and end tasks you know if it's something he didn't have time to do that was kind of tedious i'd you know i could jump in and do it whether it was you know like, Updating prices on a blog post or, you know, copying and pasting a bunch of, you know, data into spreadsheets for him. Just, you know, stuff like that. Um, And eventually I got involved in his superstar blogging community, which is, for those of you who don't know, an online media school that Matt sort of teaches and co-teaches and organizes. Uh, It teaches blogging, vlogging, photography and writing. Uh, And so I sort of became involved in those communities looking after their Facebook groups, handling emails and stuff like that. And then I sort of just took on more and more sort of additional tasks here and there until I became the, the official uh, community manager. And now I look after uh, at least half a dozen Facebook groups, our superstar blogging students, our forums, our Facebook group that we have for travelers, and just sort of any other random jobs that, that Matt needs me to do.
1: Interesting. As you were figuring out that lifestyle and just kind of building up your, your credibility and your marketability, you know, brick by brick, what was the what were some of your bigger challenges that that you went through during that time?
0: Yeah, I, I think I mean so my background is like I went to university. Um I studied history and theater. Uh, before that I owned a vegetarian restaurant. Before that, I was farming. I spent eleven years farming. So like I you know, I, I didn't grow up in that sort of entrepreneur, you know, sort of scene. I was never reading like business books, you know, like I was in like a punk band growing up and 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 uh, just growing up out in the country. So it was never really on my radar. Uh, but I figured once I, I started getting into things and I didn't want to be blogging, you know, full time and trying to build my own blog into like a full on business right then. So I thought, you know, yeah. if you can't beat them, join them. And so, Teaming up with Matt was like a really great idea because I got to sort of learn all the things that he knew, uh, sort of through osmosis. But but the, the the trick there was like I I I didn't have the same like Matt like studied business and had been doing this for years, so there was a lot of catch up, both like intellectually, just just learning more about how businesses run and and sort of the the sort of philosophies and ideas behind creating successful business. Uh, and then there's like the hard skills, like my HTML skills, you know, I took grade 10 business class where I learned some HTML and that was about it. So it was like some of those hard skills was was I had to, there was a lot of Googling. Matt would be like, hey, go do this. And I'd be like, yeah, of course. And I'd get on Google and Google how to do it and then and do it. So um, yeah, that was that was probably the main struggle was just like getting more into like a business mindset in a way that isn't like all about money and you're still trying to be genuine and you're still trying to you know care about your community and so doing all of that at once was 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 a lot for me
1: there's a great lesson in here, and chris i'm going to ask you to comment on it in just a minute, but the lesson is that you were able to connect with someone who was already running a successful business in a similar niche that you wanted to be a part of, and you were for lack of a better word just sort of anonymous and then you worked your way up to having a very close and tight working relationship with a successful travel entrepreneur being Matt Kepnes Nomadic Matt and you were able to continually add value to him and his business as you worked kind of through this progression and there's a huge lesson in there in that folks out there can by adding value no one's really unattainable if you're able to to bring them value and and help them move along their message and of course move along their their business. So for anyone out there who's just starting out and they have someone that they look up to as as a mentor or just an example of how they might want to run their business, what advice do you have about connecting with those individuals, delivering them value and then maintaining that relationship?
0: Yeah, so I think uh, on the one hand, you know, it all comes down to to who you know. So like always be networking, always be trying to get into positions where you can meet these people who who can help you and who you can help. And I think that's, you know, that's sort of common wisdom in the, in the business field. But that's always something I, I remind people, um, you know, it, it's who you know, that's going to make the difference. So always be always be meeting people um, is is huge, huge, huge. But um, on top of that, when it comes to like adding value, I think it's super important to know what kind of value you can add and what where your skills aren't, you know? Like, I, I know what I'm good at and what I can do, and I know what I'm terrible at and what, you know, I try to avoid doing. And so, you know, for me, knowing what I could do, and in this case, it was, you know, I can handle copious amounts of tedious work. You know, I I've spent 11 years farming. That's just pulling weeds all day, every day, for season after season after season. So knowing that, oh, Matt doesn't want to do these tedious jobs, I can do them. It's perfectly fine, you know? And so being flexible, you know, putting in the hours, um, you know, I I live in Sweden, so I I can't really work the nine to five because, you know, when my workday is done, Matt's just getting up. So I have to, you know, part of the value I add to the team is that flexibility that dedication oh matt drops me a message at 11 p.m okay well i'll just dive in and get on it because i know for me you know being flexible being dedicated being willing to put in the time that's what i bring to the table um and those aren't like particularly you know um difficult skills you know i'm not bringing any hard and fast you know well-developed skills like coding or design or anything that I'm just bringing what I can. And that's this dedication to the cause, you know, willing to put in the time. And so once you know what you can bring, you focus on that. And that's what you're sort of, that's what you're selling. And everything else that you're not good at, if you have the time to improve, sure, improve. But if not, find other people who can help you so that you can sort of avoid doing those things and focus on the things that you're good at. Um, cause that's, I mean, that's, that's how I've been doing it and uh, I've been managing so far. Yeah, well, that's a great lesson in knowing your strengths and Chris
1: don't, don't underestimate, you know, what others, what others can and can't do. Cause being able to maintain and do, do what you do and do it remotely. I mean, literally on the other side of the world and being able to deliver for, for Matt and his business day after day, year after year, I, I think you might be more of a rare find than, than you give yourself credit for. So people who are looking to to start this travel business, whether it's, whether it's a blog or a vlog or anything to do where they want to travel and have an audience and build an audience and a personal brand, being able to offload certain tasks, things that either A, you're not very good at or B, just things that you shouldn't be spending your time on. What advice do you have out there or for folks out there who are looking to offload some of those, those, those menial tasks or just things they're not very good at?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the first when it comes to like spending money on your business, you know, there's always sort of this interesting disconnect in that if you were starting a restaurant or something, it would be it would be perfectly fine. It'd be perfectly understood that you have to spend money to get your business going. Like that's like nobody would think twice about that. Yet for some reason, when 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 people not everyone, but when people are often starting a business online, they're very hesitant to invest money in it. Um, and I get that you know money uh money ain't cheap, but um you have to know when and where you're going to get the most bang for your buck and so when it comes to comes to investing your money or spending money um you have to look at it as an investment it 's not an expense it's you're you're doing this so that you can be moving forward continuously and it comes back again to knowing what what you 're good at and what you're not good at. And if, you know, if you can spend an hour typing in all this random code, sure, that's fine. But if you can spend that hour doing something else that's going to, you know, help you succeed uh, in a sort of a greater capacity, then offload it. Spend 10 bucks or 20 bucks and pay someone t- to do it for you. Like, don't, don't be, what's the, what's the phrase? Don't be uh, penny wise but pound foolish. You know, Don't be pinching pennies on one thing, which is going to waste money on, on something else. So uh, I think when it comes to starting a business online, I think just knowing that you're going to have to spend money from the get-go is like, knowing that and accepting that is going to put you miles ahead of everyone else because they're going to be hesitating on, oh, should I hire somebody for this? Should I spend money on this designer? And that's just wasted time because you have to spend money to make money.
1: So what... What specifically do you see new bloggers and any anyone in this space, really, what do you see people misspending their resources on, devoting too much time to that they should be devoting to other things? Where is the time most misspent?
0: Hmm, I think when it comes to most bloggers and stuff, it's it's usually tech stuff. Now, on the one hand, you want to spend the time and learn it, but on the other hand, you also need to get things done. And so spending time to hire a coder or a designer is is money well spent. Um, because, you know, you can learn basic skills from YouTube on how to code and such. But if you're designing a whole website, just pay someone to do it. It's going to be an investment. It's, you know, it's not going to be cheap. But if you want to compete these days, you, you, have to, you have to do it. You've got other blogs out there spending money left and right. And... You know, you don't have necessarily have to do that to compete with them, but you have to be able to at least sort of keep up. And so, um, yeah, tech stuff is usually where people sort of are are falling behind or having the most struggle, uh, the most trouble with.
1: Can you can you recommend a resource or two for for new bloggers to to connect with people who can help them help them out in their business and take off some of these responsibilities and tasks?
0: Yeah. So I mean, Upwork is like the sort of standard when it comes to to finding people but more than just that i would join some some blogging facebook groups and get recommendations because you can go on upwork and find a designer or a coder or you know someone to get your logo or whatever but and they'll have reviews from other people but you know you want to get reviews from people you know so if you know a blogger who has a logo and you're trying to get a logo send them an email ask them who did their logo Ask them who designed their site or whatever you're trying to do. Get get sort of more specific or more personal recommendations so that you're not just reaching out in the dark, grasping for straws when you're trying to find these people on Upwork or whatever other sort of website you're looking at. Because those, again, I mean, having those network connections, you can reach out to these people in your space or your community and, and get their feedback. And that's that's going to be invaluable because they've already jumped through the hoops stumbled over the hurdles, and you can benefit from their their experience.
1: Yeah, that's golden advice, Chris. The power of community is absolutely huge. And a common, I wouldn't say a common thing, but a couple of people that I've interviewed who are Attending TravelCon, which I haven't mentioned it yet in this episode, is a conference coming up in September in Austin, Texas, to help people learning to build profitable and sustainable travel businesses. Chris and I will both be there. Uh, but some of the folks that I've talked to have described kind of the blogging community as there's there's a certain level of negativity, and I want to I'm curious about what your thoughts are. And by negativity, I mean lack of support. And I haven't experienced that personally, but it's very real to other people. And I'd like your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I mean that's it's it's harder for me to relate to that now, simply because you know working with Matt, Matt being one of the biggest bloggers out there, I sort of not only have support from him and our other sort of team members, but you know he's connected to he knows pretty much everyone out there. So we there's this sort of vast array of networking connections. So for me. You know, as a community manager, I can see, you know, how all the webs sort of stretch out and how everything comes together. But when I was just starting out, I mean, I was just making a website in my house when I was traveling. You know, I wasn't going to any conferences, wasn't in any groups. So if if you're on your own, you do feel completely isolated, um, which is why I think joining a like an online forum. Or uh, like a Facebook group or something like that, where you can connect with either other travelers or other bloggers, uh, is great. I mean, that's. I think in part that's why I kept going back to Matt's forum because I wanted a a sort of a sense of community. Um, You know, I was meeting people on the road who were traveling and stuff too, but you know, they weren't blogging, and so being able to talk about the blogging sort of struggles as a beginner uh, was was invaluable. And what really you know made me stick around in the community.
1: Yeah, community's a powerful thing, giving advice, getting advice, supporting people on the road. Just surrounding yourself whether it's in person or virtually, surrounding yourself with like-minded people is really a game changer because you can truly feel on an, like you're on an island if you just don't have someone to talk about your struggles with who understands what you're what you're what you're talking about and what you're going through and travel bloggers supporting other travel bloggers is is absolutely huge so folks out there in podcast land find that community try a few and uh, hopefully you find one that that lands and really speaks to you and you can build that build that community to help keep you moving moving forward so chris let's move up to present day here man what are you working on right now what's got you excited
0: so so, yeah, right now it's it's crunch time for, for TravelCon. Uh, so in two weeks, I fly to Texas, and I'll be there getting ready, doing whatever needs to be done. Um, this is our first year planning TravelCon, so it's it's uh, been a lot of trial and error, a lot of just figuring things out as we go, uh, which has been really, really interesting. I mean, you don't really... I've been to a few conferences, but this one... You know, you don't really know what goes on into planning it until you you get a glimpse behind the curtain, and it's just it's just nonstop. You know, there's always something going on, so it's it's really ex- exciting. Um, you know, being a remote worker, I get to meet not only my, like my team, but like all the people I met at other conferences before, people from Facebook groups. You know, I've I've met I've met a few people from like Matt's forums as I've traveled, and I'll get to meet some of them again. And so, uh, yeah, just just for me. The, the people who I'm gonna be get to get to meet with and hang out and work with uh, at travelcon is 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 gonna be great there's some really big names in addition to all the people I already know so yeah I'm gonna get to sort of fan out and uh, get to meet all the the big names in the travel industry which will be which will be fun
1: a whole lots of fun really looking forward to it oh Chris planning live events can be part of an entrepreneurial venture for for a blogger or any sort of travel personality. Maybe not quite to the level of travel con, but planning live events is a very legitimate way to to connect with an audience, one, and also generate some revenue. So can you just offer a little piece of advice for anyone who might be thinking about planning a live event?
0: Yeah. so, So it all comes down to your actual plan. How much time you spend outlining everything, preparing, covering all the angles at the beginning is going dis- to determine how much headaches you have at the ending because planning any live event, things are going to go wrong. Like that's just inevitable. And so the more you can have, you know, your head on your shoulders, a great plan under your belt that you can rely on, uh, that's just going to save, save the day. Um, and so that was like with, with TravelCon. there's been tons of hiccups, Uh, that have, you know, slowed us down or, you know, sort of really um, uh, made things interesting. But uh, it's been having our plan and our communication that has really like kept us on the ball as much as you can be on the ball when you're planning uh, like a 700-person conference. But um, yeah, spend the time at the beginning, cover every detail, figure everything out. You're going to have more spreadsheets than you ever thought possible. uh, But in the end, that's what's going to make the difference between you know, uh, a successful event and a less successful event.
1: Love it, man. And yeah, I know you guys have put so much work. I've been following, been following you guys pretty much since the beginning, since you guys announced this thing. And I mean, it's months and months and months of planning has gone into this. And likely a lot of your hard work may go unnoticed, but that means you did a good job because you just made it go smooth. And uh, everybody's going to hopefully have a good time. And of course, learn a lot about growing a, a personal a travel business and building a sustainable business and a career in the travel industry. So, let's wrap up with just a little bit of advice, Chris, some parting thoughts. Tell me who besides you has had the biggest positive impact on your business?
0: You know, obviously, like nomadic Matt and his team have been a huge influence when it comes to my understanding of the travel industry and blogging and and creating a business um, because for those of you who don't know there's there's a few of us on on the team, and so uh what I find really interesting is sort of every team member brings something new to the table and usually it's like sort of what I would consider like a weakness of mine like we have our tech guy we have a social media person we have sort of our overall coordinator and then we have we have Matt and so so those three areas you know I'm not big on social media my tech skills are mediocre and Erica who's Matt's first first hire she's got such a great knack for communicating and bringing everyone together and keeping plans on track. Uh, and so those three combined with Matt have just been, you know, they've just really opened my eyes to the, to the world of, of owning a business and running a business and, and overcoming the hurdles that will inevitably come your way. Love it, man. Love it. We are chatting with Chris Oldfield
1: today on Dramatic Travels, Entrepreneurs. I'd love for you to check out Chris's book, The Dogs of Nam, Stories from the Road and Lessons Learned Abroad. Real quick, Chris, I didn't really give you a chance to talk about your book. Tell me about it real quick.
0: Yeah, so so it was um, – uh, I published it earlier this year, and it's just a collection of all my most sort of ridiculous and insightful and embarrassing tales from, from the past decades, it's covering things like – You know, I I lived in a monastery for half a year, so there's some stories from there, Uh, some hitchhiking in Japan that I did, walking the Camino, going to Iceland, uh, you know, just sort of lots of trips all around the world, most of which uh, are misadventures and go terribly wrong. Uh, which I think is what sort of makes it both relatable, but also entertaining. Um, so yeah, it's just if if you're a traveler or aspire to be a traveler, I think it's something that you'll you'll be able to read and sort of in, and relate to in your own way.
1: Love it. That's The Dogs of Nom: Stories from the Road and Lessons Learned Abroad. And Chris, we're going to have that linked up in the show notes. So folks out there listening, go ahead and head over to the show notes page and we'll have a link to Chris's book. Uh, Chris, before we say goodbye, and you know, we've been spent, we've talked about TravelCon a bit and Folks attending TravelCon are clearly making an investment, a financial investment in themselves to attend this event. Chris, what is the best investment you've made in yourself?
0: Oh, man. Um, I would say um, probably, I mean, the headphones I'm wearing were a really great investment because they're noise-canceling headphones, and those have changed my life. Uh, but that's, you know, that's on the non-material side. Um I would say investing in my non-work time and so investing in things that I do regularly that have nothing to do with work because that's what in the long run that's what's going to keep you sane that's what's going to keep you fresh that's what's going to keep you relaxed um so for me like I I as I mentioned I used to live at a monastery so Taking the time to to have a meditation practice really was a game changer for me you know I make sure to read every day I exercise every day boring stuff I know but making sure that I find the time or create the time for non work activities uh, that aren't just like sitting at down and watching Netflix because you know as fun as that is uh, it doesn't quite have the same impact on your on your life or your job uh, as No, just developing like healthy non-work habits to just keep you relaxed and fresh and give you new perspective when you need it.
1: Stay fresh, stay clear, and stay sane. Sanity is priceless, my friend. Do what you gotta do to maintain it. Chris Oldfield, really appreciate you taking the time. And, of course, you can check out Chris at his blog, LessonsLearnedAbroad.com. And once again, that book, The Dogs of Nam: Stories from the Road and Lessons Learned Abroad. Chris Oldfield, really appreciate you taking the time all the way from Sweden to join us today on Dramatic Travels, Entrepreneurs.
0: Absolutely my pleasure. Uh, it's great talking to you. Uh, always, always fun to, to talk about this stuff because, you know, I think... Even just talking about it, you, you learn more and your brain gets thinking about things in new ways. So, so, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you create
1: travel content, then you know how important it is to truly connect with your audience. And podcasting is simply a phenomenal way to create those intimate connections. Podcasting lets you use the power of your voice to share your message, change people's lives, all while expanding your influence and growing your business. My friend, podcasting is a huge part of my dream life and I want to help make it part of yours too. So if you're ready to start using the power of your voice, take that first step by going to dramaticpodcasting.com and there you're going to find everything you need to start your podcasting journey from how to create and launch your podcast to how to grow your audience and start making money. It's all there, my friend. It's at dramaticpodcasting.com.